You're listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast, recorded on Sundays in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our goal is to help you grow from root to fruit. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. All right. So, with that said, just going to move into uh, into my my message for this morning. I want to invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 25. Um, it'll be on the screen in a little bit, too. So Exodus chapter 25, if you'd like to turn there. Um, and I just want to also say congratulations to our graduates. Um, I remember graduating a long time ago, a long time ago. I don't know. I'm trying to think of how long it's been since I graduated high school. It was a long time. Yeah, don't say, oh, no, no, don't say the number. Don't say the number out loud. So I, I yeah, we, we, it's just it was it's. It's a long time ago. So anyway, well done. Congratulations. We're proud of you. It's, it's awesome. We're excited for you. Um, and if you're not a graduate yet, uh, just know it can happen. If it happened for them, it can happen for you. Um, and uh, we, be- <laughs> you know, we believe the best is yet to come for you guys. Uh, excited for what's, what's ahead and what God's going to do in your life. Um, I just want to r- remind you, no matter how far you get, no matter how far away you go, whether you're, you know, in South Carolina or Kentucky or Philadelphia, you know, no matter where life takes you, just remember you always have a home to come back to. Okay, you always have a home to come back to. Your room will be painted and new furniture will be in there, but you are always welcome to come back home anytime. Like, how long is it going to take, Mom? You know, how long is it going to take for, for the room to be switched over? You know, is it, is it, is it going to be just a... Just a minute or two. Um, listen, your parents might move away while you're at college. You know, wait, that was just me. That was just me. Thank you. No, man, I went to college and it was like, there's no home to go home to. Um, you know, there's just, they, they were gone. Um, out of the country, actually. They were like, okay, now's our chance. He's gone. Let's go. Let's do it now. Let's not do it while he's here. Let's wait till he's gone. Then we'll go. Um, not making it up. You can ask my parents. They did that. Um, there's no place like home, right? No place like home. You go out, you're going to, so some, when you go make up your room at college, you know, if you have a dorm, you might try and make it feel a little bit like home, right? You're going to try and bring a piece of home there, right? So uh, some of the dirty clothes, don't worry, in, in about oh, maybe like four or five days, it'll start to smell like your room at home. That's because it's you. <laughs> it's not the room, it's just you. Um, but there's no place like home. Right. At least that's how it's supposed to be. Right. Home's supposed to be the place where you can wear sweatpants, eat everything bagels and shower if you want to. Right. Home's that place where, you know, people don't, you know, people knew what you really smelled like and looked like and sounded like, you know, all day long. But home is where you are. You. Right. It's the most real. Um, It's uh, your safe haven from the rest of the world. You know, for some of you, home is the best place on the planet. Like you would never leave your house if you didn't have to. Some of you, you would just live at home. Um, for others, maybe home is anything but that. You know, you do whatever you can to stay away from home. You know, it can be a hostile environment. It can be like a lot of fighting or just, you know, just stuff. It's contentious. And you're like, you know what? I can't wait to get out of here. Home is not, you know, it's not safe for me. It's not a good place. It's maybe been a painful place. Um, but no matter what home looks like for you, I think we can all agree, right, that home is supposed to be a safe place. Right. Home should be that place where you feel like you're most you. And uh, this is proven because of baseball. Baseball. I mean, is anybody following the Yankees? Because, man, are they hot right now. Seriously, so, so on fire. It's great to watch. Um, But if you think about home, right, you've got first base, second base, 
third base and home. Hmm, not fourth. They call it home. See, because when you're standing there, that's where you start. You start at home, right? And then, then you have to run to first and run to second and run to third. And once you cross, once you touch home, guess what? No more work. It's over. You can't do anymore. You've done everything you can do. You can rest. Once you get home, the task is done. Right? It doesn't even matter. You don't got to worry about the picture. You don't got to worry about anything because you did your job. You, you came home. There's something about home, right? Like, I hate home offices. How many? Amen, right? I don't want to work at home. When I come home, I want to leave work there. I want to be off. I don't want to answer the phone. Or I don't want to do emails. I don't want to think about work. I want to be home. And you know, the worst thing you can do is put a desk or a, a laptop, right? That's in your, in your bedroom. It's like, oh, no, it's supposed to be my, my happy place. It's supposed to be where I don't think about the rest of the world. And now I'm doing work in, in my room. Like, it's terrible. I don't know. If you like that, I don't know. I, I don't. I want to. I want to. I want to rest at home, right? We know what home is supposed to be, even if it's not what it is. Like we know what it's supposed to be. It was Maya Angelou, famed poet, who said, "The ache for home lives in all of us. The safe place where we can go as we are, and not be questioned. <laughs> Give me home. Stop asking me stuff. Just let me be in my sanctuary. No matter how young or how old you are." There's a need inside of all of us to have that place of belonging, that place we call home. College students, you're going to go. You're going to try and find some measure of home even as you're away, right? Where we don't have to pretend where you can be just you, right? It's what parents try to create for their children. They try to create home. It's what young couples try to create when they, when they get married, right? We try to create a home, and homes, as we know, have very little to do with walls or carpet or furniture. It's all about the people and the environment that we set there, right? Home's not a place. Right? Home, right? Home, is, home is where the heart is, right? we got all those great bumper stickers. You know how it works. Home is made by the people who live there, and it's been that way since time began. Home has always been about people together loving each other. See, because in the beginning, the whole point of this world... The whole point of the world was a home for God to be with His people. He said, I'm going to create this and then I want to live with my people. He said, Garden of Eden, right? It's perfect. I'm just going to live there. It's going to be our, it's going to be our place. Right? I'm going to walk with Adam and Eve. Everything was perfect. There was plenty of food. The gang was all there, right? This is home. It's total peace. And like happens in most homes, in many homes, the people had to go and ruin it. It wasn't the walls that got cranky, right? It wasn't, it wasn't the floors. It was the people. They messed it up. No longer now, because of what Adam and Eve did, they broke the terms of relationship. They broke trust. Now, guess what? Home? God can't be home among people anymore. He said, I can't, I, can't live I can't live like that with you anymore. Because He's so perfect and so pure. He can't be around sin, so... There's no home anymore. So now there's estrangement in the relationship. It's busted. There's no going back. So the people live here and God lives somewhere else. And God says, I'm not okay with this. I want to be home among people and it's not okay. And this is not working out. I created this to be with people and now I can't be. I created this home so that I could live there and I can't go there anymore. So he comes up with a solution. Exodus chapter 25. You should be there. Exodus chapter 25. Just verse 8. We're going to read it. And it goes like this. 
He's talking to Moses and he says, have the people of Israel, have the people build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. He says, have the people build me a sanctuary so I can live among them. A sanctuary is really a sacred place. Some of you think your bedroom is the sanctuary, right? You've got, you've got, you've, you've chested out your chi, right? You've got all the, all the, the stuff going on. You know, the room's got all this good stuff going on. Got good vibes, right? This is your sanctuary, your peaceful place. God says, I need a peaceful place. I need a holy place for me. Also called a tabernacle. Means a dwelling place. Right? This is this is where God can live. This is that word tabernacle literally means a living place. It's where I can live. God's basically telling Moses here, hey, build me a home. Build me a place that I can call home. Right? And he gave very specific plans for how to construct it, down to the colors, the type of fabric, the measurements, right? Everything, the weight, everything was specific. Like the inspector, inspectors in Robinsville have been like, ah, that's pretty specific. He, okay, I've got your plan. I've got, I see exactly what you're trying to do here. I know it down to the exact cubit, right? He's got it all down. The interesting thing is just like your home, if I walked into your home right now, some of you are like, don't walk into my home right now. Right? Like it was, you don't know what it was like getting out of the house this morning trying to get here. You know, no, I do. I do. I've got three kids. I understand. Like it can be a little crazy getting out of the house. Like I won't judge you. You know, there's, there's like the we're ready for people and then there's the we're not ready for people. Right? If I walk into your home, but regardless, if I walked into your home, it would tell me a lot about you. Not just the kind of person you are, but what you value. What, what's on the wall? What kind of colors do you like? What kind of furniture do you like? You know, where is the TV? You want to know what tells me something about you? Where is your TV? Right? Is your TV like front and center? Like everything in the room is, is just around the TV. You know, is everything around the fireplace? Right? Is everything in, in the backyard? Is it all about, you know, the deck and the pool? Or what is it? What is it for you? It tells me a lot. And just like your home tells me a lot about you, the tabernacle, or God's home, the one he said that he designed, he said, I want it built this way to look this way, it tells us a lot about him. And so this summer, we're doing a series, and we're going to explore his home. We're going house hunting. We're going, and it's called God is Here. Because that's, that's, he says, I want, I want a place to call home where I want to live, and God is here. So we're going to look at the tabernacle for the next few weeks throughout this summer. Does that sound fun? Oh, yeah, this sounds great. I can't wait to talk about curtains and goat skins. This is going to be awesome. My prayer is that as we understand what it means that God is here, that we respond to his presence accordingly. Because if God is actually present somewhere, that changes things. Right? When you walk into somebody's home, right, you respect their home. And what does it mean when you come into God's home? Now, this is obviously not a tabernacle we are in. This is just a concrete building uh, with walls. That um, this is this is not the tabernacle. But we're going to look at that old tabernacle that God had created and say, what does that tell us about Him here and now? So, in Exodus chapter 25 through 40, for 15 chapters, God lays out unbelievably detailed plans. We're going to go through it verse by verse. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm going to summarize it. You're welcome. It's a lot there. Seriously, 15 chapters of like measurements, weights, and you're like, mm, yeah, I know. You've ever, ever read the Old Testament? You're like, 
Really? Do we need all the detail? Did I need to know that, that there was this little embroidery here? Did we need to know what the priests were wearing? Did we need to know everything? Guess what? Apparently we did. There was something about the order and the detail that God wanted us to know. This, this was on purpose. God cares about design. He actually cares about walls and things like that for some reason. So we're going to look at what those reasons are. But I'm going to summarize that for you. Again, you're welcome. So here's, here's my big summary. Ready? The tabernacle was a rectangle. There you go. It was a rectangle. <laughs> Just sort of those dots. That's sort of the outer line of it. Okay? And basically, the tabernacle was a series of wooden frames, right, made of a certain type of wood, and curtains or, and skins that would hang over the exterior. That was pretty much it. It was like a square, like a rectangle with frames and curtains hanging over the edges. That's the tabernacle. All right, pretty simple. And it, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna look over the next few weeks. But it, so you came in from this side where the arrow is, and that would, that purple thing would be like the gate. Right, that was the gate in. And then this first room, there's three rooms, three sort of areas. You've got this first area called the outer courtyard. You can see it up top. Then you have this middle area called the holy place. And then on this side, you had the Holy of Holies, right? There's sort of this progressive uh, development in there. So in the outer courtyard, you've got two elements here. You've got an altar of burnt offerings that they would come and make sacrifices on. They'd come and offer their sacrifices. They'd come with like a, a goat, right? And they would sacrifice a goat and literally kill the goat and burn it on the altar as an offering to God. We'll get to that next week. Um, then you'd come to, they called it a laver it was basically a wash base and a sink, right? It was this huge bowl of water, and they would wash their hands. They just killed a goat. So they had to wash their hands. So now they wash their hands, and they'd clean up, and there was this purifying process that would happen. And in the outer courts, right, everybody could go. Everybody could go to the outer courts. Then you get to the holy place, and there was a, a door here. Now, there was a gate. Now it's kind of, now there's a door. Right? And the door would come into the holy place. And in this holy place, this was only the priests. Only the priests. So this was not for, not for the regular people. This was just the priests. And in here, you had three elements. You have up top a table with bread. Right? It had 12 loaves of bread on it. Called the table of showbread. Then you had what would uh, call like a, like a lamp, like a golden lamp, which was a menorah. It's exactly what it was. It was a menorah, and it, was, uh, it would be burning <laughs> here, and so you see that. And then you'd have an altar at the end where they'd be burning incense. So you'd have this, this smell. That room would smell. I mean, there's, again, we're going to break these down in the next couple of weeks. And then this last purple line would be a veil. So the gate, door, veil. It was a curtain explained in very, very vivid detail. And in there would be the Ark of the Covenant. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant was this atonement cover, a, a cover, and there were two cherubim, like little angel things, that were hanging on the edge with their wings kind of over, arching over that, which is basically, you'll see it in, in the artwork. It's sort of the image that's on our, our main artwork for the, for the series. And that Holy of Holies, only the high priest went in there, and only once a year. Because that's actually where the presence of God was supposed to live in there. So you've got this progressive thing. Everybody, priests, just the high priest, just once a year, right? And gate, door, veil. Does that make sense? You kind of get like a, get an idea here of what we're, of what we're looking at. And it's just sort of an, an overview. Um, now, here's what you need to know. Moses built this. 
Right? They, they actually constructed this. This is not the same thing as Solomon's temple, which comes later. That was a permanent structure. Right? This one, it, it could move. Right? It was portable. And here Moses built it. Expert craftsmen were built, built it to exact specifications. Um, and again, we're not going to go into every nitty-gritty detail of this. And once again, you're welcome. Um, but in Exodus chapter 40, verse 33, it's sort of at the tail end. We start in 25 and 40. At the very end, we get to this verse. Uh, Verse 33, it says, so at last Moses finished the work and the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So God says, build it, tells him this is what it's supposed to look like. Moses does it. And it says, as soon as God finishes it, as soon as Moses finishes it, God moves in. He says, all right, I'm there now. I will live here in this structure. I will be there in the form of a cloud, this sort of glory of God. You couldn't actually see the form of him. So he would come in this cloud by day, by night, he would be a fire. So that you could see it at night. It's just hard to see clouds at night. We know that. So God said, yeah, let's make this fire. I guess. I don't know. I have no idea why he did that. But that's my guess. So he lived now in the middle of his people. And here's the thing. It wasn't actually Eden. Right? Originally, God created the world so he could live and walk and talk and just Hey, how you doing? You know, let's grab a let's grab a cup of coffee. But that's no longer. But now he's got a tabernacle and he can go in there. And this is the, the best possible solution based on what the people were doing. Right. And again, it was a portable tabernacle. So what would happen is there'd be times where God would tell people, OK, it's time to move. So they would move and they would tear it all down. And there was even a process for that. And there was a process for moving it. And then they set it back up again. And when they set it back up again, here comes a cloud again and God shows up. So no matter where they go, God's here. And the tabernacle was in the middle of where the people lived. They would live all around it. The tabernacle would be in the middle because God wanted to be at the center of their life. Right? He said, I want to live among you in the middle of you. I'm not, I'm not content just being separate from you. I want to live among you now. We're going to explore each part of this tabernacle. And today I'm going to start with just the first piece. And I'm actually not even going to talk about those two things. I'm just going to talk about in general that outer courts. Just those outer courts. It's an area that everyone had access to. Right? Because there's a gate. There's this huge gate and you just walk in and you're in. That's it. You're in, you're in the tabernacle now. Now up until this point, remember, God had been separate from the people. So he shows up. If you remember, he shows up on a mountain showed up on a mountaintop called Mount Sinai. If you ever watched the Ten Commandments of Charlton Heston, you know what I'm talking about. God shows up on this mountaintop, right? And it's just intense experience. The whole mountain is shaking. The people are afraid. And says, God, the presence of God is so potent, so powerful. He's like there, sort of in like this fiery cloud kind of thing. And Moses goes up to the mountaintop to talk with them. And it's only Moses that can go on the mountain top. Everybody else, if they says, listen, if even an animal goes near, the animal's dead, right? It's intense experience. So it went from that to now God saying, hey, guess what? I'm not going to be on a mountaintop anymore. I want to live in the middle of the camp. I don't want to be out here while your camp's down here. I want to be in the middle. So guess what? Build me this and I can live there. If you build it, I can live in the middle. So they build this and now people have access. The normal people who couldn't even... They were terrified of this mountain top God now have God living in the middle of their neighborhood. And the outer courts here represent one word, and it's the word access. Everybody's got access. 
God was among them. He could be near them. No matter where they moved, the tabernacle went with them and God was remaining in the middle. So I want to zoom out just for a minute here. Right? At creation, right? God wants to live among His people and He does that. And He gives them the keys to the kingdom. says, hey, we're going to walk around. You get to walk with God. It's Eden. Right? You have total access to me, but then they messed it up and God has to change the locks. Right? You can't come back here. can't live like this anymore. So then God creates again here with the tabernacle. And it's really interesting because if you break down the tabernacle, there are six elements in it. There's two in the outer courts. And then uh, there's one, two, three, four, five. And then there's two. Uh, there's, there's six total elements in there, three in the middle, and then one at the end. Right? So there's six elements in the tabernacle, six days in creation. The seventh is a day of Sabbath rest. This is almost a type of recreation, the tabernacle. In creation, God creates the world so that he can be home among his people. Now in the tabernacle, God creates again so that he can be home among his people. Materials used seem to be a microcosm of creation itself. He says use fabrics, use skins, use stones, precious metals, right? all sorts of colors. It's sort of bringing all of creation together in that tabernacle. You see kind of all these colors, all these representations, all this stuff. It's like all creation is being back together again. God connecting the dots saying once again, I want to create. And in the middle of all the chaos and mess of your life, there's a, there's, there's a specific order. I want you to do this two specifications because there is order in the chaos. God seems to continually create and recreate dwelling places for us to be with him. It's interesting. Something to think about. So now, once again, God lives among his people and he gives them access. And there's a gate that's open to all. But let me tell you, we, we know now that even that tabernacle didn't lead to a healthy home. Because the people went through the motions eventually and began to forget about the God who actually lived in that tabernacle. Jesus says, you've, this, this tabernacle was intended for something, but you've turned it into something else. You know when you live with people, but it's not home, you just coexist? At college students, you're going to get a roommate. They might be weird. I'm sorry. They might listen to weird music. They might not listen to any music. They might not brush their teeth. They might do weird things in the bathroom. I don't know. There's just all sorts of things. You can live with somebody and simply just coexist. But it's not actually home. It's not family. Right? I've, had, I've had great college roommates. I had, I had great And then my senior year, my, I had a same roommate, my, a good buddy, First year, second year, third year. One of my best friends in the fourth year, he decided to take a semester off. Punk. They stuck me with two freshmen my senior year. It's like, I think one of them got arrested. I don't know. Like, it was, it was bad. I, I was not happy. I was just, listen, you can live in a home with somebody, but not actually be home with them. And that's what happened in the tabernacle. God was there, but the people were no longer living with him, no longer having relationship. It was no longer a home for God. And so, you know, what he did. He moved out. So that's that's not going to work because God doesn't live in buildings. He's not interested in that. He wants to be among his people. It's not just about a place because I want to be among the people. So once again, God acted and once again, God created. He says, OK, how about if I come in the flesh and really live among you? Jesus. Right. Creation, I want to live among you. People break it. Tabernacle, I want to live among you. People break it. 
Jesus, I want to live among you. John 1.14, so the Word became human and made His home among us. Jesus is the Word, right? He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen His glory, the glory of Father's one and only Son. God came to earth and literally lived among us because He wants a relationship with us. God is constantly trying to find home, to help us find home. Remember how there's a gate into the outer courts? Right? There's this gate, access for everybody. The gate was the front door of God's home. It's the way in. John 10, Jesus says, very clear, what does he say? I am the gate. I am the gate. I give you access to God's presence. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You come to God through me. I give you access to God's home. To the presence of God, to where God lives, it's found through Jesus. The writer of Hebrews sums up everything we've talked about and tells us what God has been trying to tell us through creation, the tabernacle, the outer courts, Jesus, through it all, because it continues to develop and grow. And I've kind of tweaked it a little bit, so you're not going to find this exactly in your Bible, but you get the point. It says, we don't gain access to God by coming to a physical mountain like they did at Mount Sinai, to a place of fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. That was terrifying. That's not the kind of God you come to. They heard what sounded like trumpets blasting and a voice so terrible, they begged God to stop speaking. If even an animal touched the mountain, it would have been instant death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, nope. That's my translation. Um, No, your access to God is through Mount Zion, the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem, the countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. Heaven came down and made a new way for you, a new home for you. Now you are here surrounded by the assembly of all God's children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You've come to the shores of heaven which are lined with people just like you, who have now come home forever. Listen, your access is through Jesus, the one who created by his sacrifice for you a new covenant between God and people, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance. See, Jesus opens up a brand new way. See, the way was in Eden. It was great face to face. No longer. God says, I'll do a tabernacle come in. But you know what? They broke that. God says, okay, how about if I give you access through my son, if I come and show you the way in. God has always wanted you to have access to him. I'm not sure we know or understand how good we have it. I think we take for granted a little bit the presence of God. Oh, yeah, we got the presence of God. God's here. No, no. Do we understand? God was on a mountain flaming and people were terrified to go to it. God had a tabernacle, right? It was only the priest once a year. You didn't have access to God's presence. Do we understand that God has opened up a new way for us to have access to Him? Listen, we have lost the art of paying attention, of being present. I have been talking for probably 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and I promise that during that time, you have probably thought of about 25 to 30 different things not related to what I'm talking about. 
When you're at work, you think about home and vacation, all the other things you're doing. When you're at home, you're thinking about work and all the other things that you're going on. When your kids are talking to you, you're thinking about something else. If your phone buzzes, you're thinking about that. We can't pay attention. We can't be present. We're not there anymore. Have a conversation with somebody for more than five minutes and maintain eye contact? Don't think so. We can't pay attention anymore. We can't be present. The presence of God is here and our eyes are on other things. I don't think we understand how good we have it, how far it's come for us to have this kind of access. God has not hidden himself away in some impossible place to find. He tells us exactly where to find him. I'm the gates. Come through me. This is home. So what? So what? That's great. Tabernacle, presence, home, very nice. So what? we got a picnic to get to. Perhaps today, you don't feel home anywhere. I don't know. But maybe you've been searching for home for so long, you just can't find it and you don't even think it's there anymore. And I'm not talking about a house or a building. Maybe you wish you could, but everything inside you longs for the place where you feel accepted for who you are. Where you feel loved and peace and no more striving. When you can cross that plate and go, man, I can just, I can breathe. Unconditional love. I tell you today, home is not a place, it's not a building. The presence of God is home. There's nothing else I say this morning if you can hold on to that. No matter where you go, the presence of God is home. When I'm in the presence of God, I'm home. doesn't matter what my address is. doesn't matter who's around me. The presence of God is my ultimate home. I don't care how messed up your life has been. I don't care how much you think you've blown it. I don't care how tough you are. I don't care how cool you think you are, how smart you think you are. You can spend a lifetime searching for home. Trying to find home in all sorts of places. Jesus has made it clear. He's the gate. And he invites you in. He's going to show you the way to the presence of God. And in the presence of God, there is rest and there is peace and there is joy and there is security and safety and love. The only thing that gets in the way of us going home is us. God says the door is open. Come home. I created this tabernacle which shows you God just continually wants us to come into his presence to be here. No other home could ever satisfy what can only be found in God's presence. A single day in God's courts is better than a thousand days anywhere else. I would rather be a doorman in the house of God than live the good life in the homes of anyone else. There's nothing like the presence of God. The first thing the tabernacle teaches us about God, the first thing it teaches us about God is how we get into his presence. Very simply, how we get into His presence. Listen, the gateway to God's presence is not good works. 
It's not, hey, try harder. Be more religious. Pray a little more. Read the Bible. Give more money. It's not a clean record. It's not a sparkling resume. It's not what other people think of you. Among the, uh, the pastor's kids in the church, I have a special password. It's a secret word I use. They know it. And um, it's, it's, it's the eternal password. So no matter where we are, what we do, if, they want, if I'm standing on a door and they ask to come in, I go, oh, what's the password? And they know, and they have to say it. And look, at they're laughing because they know it's, it's terrible. It's the stupidest word, but I make them say it anyway. I make adults say it sometimes, some of our staff, and they're like, seriously, like Dre's like, seriously, open the door. I'm like, eh. There's a password that gets us in the gate. There's a password that gets us into God's presence. There's a password that gets you into home. We find it in Psalm 100. It says this. It says, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Next. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Verse 4, here it comes, ready? Enter His, what? Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. Next verse. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all Generations, can I tell you, worship is the way into God's presence. It's the road home. God is here. And we are standing on the edge of the tabernacle. We're standing at the out, and, and outside of it, and he just says there's a gate here. It's wide open. All you have to do is walk in. I'm going to invite the team up because we're going to sing a song. The song's called God is Here. And we're going to walk in this morning to the presence of God together. We're going to pray. So if you just bow your head for just a minute. If this is new for you today, or if you've known this perhaps, but you've never actually taken this step into the presence of God, or maybe it's time for you to come home again. I don't know. I want to give you that opportunity right now. So as we pray, God, your love for us, it's undeniable. You're crazy about us. You want us home more than even we want to come home. God, we have no idea how good we have it. This morning, would you rid us of the idea, perhaps, that we're never going to find home? That we're just perpetual wanderers, searching and searching, but never finding that place. God, that you are home. Today is the best time to come home. The door is wide open for us. And as we're praying for those here today who know that you need to step through that gate and come in, I pray right now that you would help them sense your presence right now. Sense your presence just inviting them in, calling them by name, saying, come on. The door is open. Would you come into my presence? God, you you find us and call us to find the peace and the joy and the rest, the acceptance, the love that's only found in our true home. 
As we're praying today, if that's you, and you know that you want that, would you simply raise your hand and just say, that's me. I want to come home. I need to come home. It's between you and God. He's looking right now. God, I need to come home. God, you see our hands. This morning, draw us in. And as we sing, we're about to sing. We're about to enter your gates with thanksgiving. We're about to enter your court with praise. And as we do that, God, would we feel home? Maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time, would we feel home this morning? Thanks for listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit us at wearelifetree.com or on Facebook and Instagram at wearelifetree.